This is an ABC podcast. This is the WA Country Hour with Belinda Varischetti on ABC Radio WA. Well, hello there. I hope your day's going well so far. I am really glad you are here today because on the Country Hour this hour, our special feature on meat prices and the big gap between what producers are being paid for their livestock compared to what shoppers are paying for meat at the shops. Now, for some meat products, the price gap between one end of the supply chain and the other is huge. So the question is, where's all the money going? This hour, you're going to hear from WA Producers, the state's big sheep and lamb processing cooperative, WAMCO, and the Australian Meat Industry Council, which represents retailers, processors and small goods manufacturers right across the country. But you know what? I really want to hear from you. If you're a producer, what do you make of the current prices on offer for your livestock? And when you go into the shops, what do you make of the prices you're paying for a lamb roast, some chops or mince? Text through. Have your say today. Be part of the conversation on the text 0448 Six past twelve here on the Country Hour. And right across the country, sheep and lamb sale yard prices have fallen to below 2018 levels. But the same can't be said for the price of meat in the supermarket. Aaron Smith is a mixed farmer from Nungarran, so that's 270 kilometres northeast of Perth. And he's just received his latest price quotas for lambs from the processor, and it's nearly halved in 18 months. He's pretty frustrated that lamb hasn't become more affordable for shoppers and says more price transparency is needed in Australia's meat supply chain. We sell uh, around about 1,000 to 1,200 lambs every year, but we we actually stocked up on ewes last year, which was probably not the greatest time to do that But um, as far as prices go. But, uh, yeah, we, we dropped 1,500 lambs this year. But I've just received a uh, price schedule from our uh, processors, and um, hence the reason I'm talking to you is that I'm pretty nervous coming up to the next few months when we're looking at selling these lambs, that the prices have uh, dropped dramatically. They probably halved within the 18 months. So what sort of price would you be looking at for your lambs when you start to sell them? What, what's the processor said to you? Well, the processors have put out the schedule and the way it works is they give you a schedule price per kilo on a dressed weight and th- there's a score factor that comes into that. So score one, um, is the lowest and then two and three is the optimum window score four and score five so they're telling us that um, in the optimum window of score two to three uh, we're looking at four dollars seventy a kilo four seventy a kilo for the best that you can produce what would you have got for that last year um, I think last year we we're around about the six six dollars fifty to seven dollars a kilo it sort of varies a bit over the season and then um, the, the season previous, uh, we sold our lambs in February that year because we took them through to nearly 12 months of age and it was closer to $8.50 mm. in that time. It's a big drop, isn't it? I mean, $8.50 would have been well above 
the the normal rate. But then if you compare that to now, four seventy, you said a kilo, that's a, a a fairly big drop off in what just under two years. Yeah, well, that's right. It's it's nearly it's nearly halved, hasn't it? Mm. So um, the the problem that I can see, uh, Joe, is that we've halved on farm with our price schedule, but in the um, in the major franchises and the and the butchers windows at the end of the line, the prices are still being held there. Um, just last week, to give you an idea, I um, got some price quotes, and uh, for shoulder chops, they're selling for twenty three dollars a kilo. Uh, for loin chops, forty eight dollars a kilo, and for lamb cutlets, which is the top cut, we understand that, but fifty three dollars a kilo. So. My problem is where is the difference between the farmer getting $4.60 or $4.70 a kilo through to these prices that are at the end point? Where's the difference going? To add to the problem, I think people have been steering away from lamb because of these prices. So I think even farmers would have agreed that it did need a bit of a correction when it was at $8.50 because it was probably becoming unaffordable for for the general person to walk in and buy lamb, but we've halved and yet the end point hasn't halved. So the product, the lamb product, is getting a bad name because it's too expensive to buy and then the farmer is being held as, you know, basically getting all the profits, but it's not getting back to the ground where it should be getting to. Looking at some of the data, the average cost of beef in the supermarket has increased by nearly 40% over the five years since 2018, and lamb prices have increased by about 25% over that same period. And yet your price has has really dropped off over the past two years. You're selling to the processor. The processor then sells to the supermarket. So where do you think that money's going? Oh, look, I understand there's a process that goes along the way. There's obviously... um you know the packaging and then there's the freight and there's the advertising and and those sorts of things but i honestly don't know where it all goes because i haven't been able to do that um that research but that's the question i'm putting out there is where is it going can somebody find out and we need to be told this by the endpoint sellers do you think there's an overall lack of transparency in the system, would it be more useful for you as the producer, but then also for the consumer to see where the different markups hit the product in the different stages of the supply chain? Yeah, I think so. I think that's that's spot on. Um, I mean, transparency, we've got to be transparent when we produce anything, you know, whether it be grain or or meat or wool. So, yeah, I think the, the same thing should be happening uh, on the other end. Just going back to that price that you've been quoted, four seventy a kilo from one of the processors, have you done the maths on wh- what that's going to roughly work out per head? For an 18 kilo lamb, so that's, that's a dressed carcass weight, it works out at $84.60 per head or per carcass. And then you've obviously got commission that comes out of that. So there's a around about $4.23 for commission. And then our freight, just in our area, is about $6 to where they would be going. So you're left with about $74.37. Now, we've got our own fixed costs that go into producing that lamb. So there's, there's things like genetics, 
there's shearing, there's veterinary bills, there's nutrition, and there's freight and commission again. So that's just a few of the costs that go into producing a lamb. And in my opinion, um, it'd be pretty hard for me to go to my accountant and tell them that I'm going to carry on producing lambs at that figure because it's just about become unsustainable. What's the alternative for you? Well, the alternative is just to turn to 100% cropping, which you know a lot of people have done over the years. But out in this area where we're a little bit marginal for rain, we believe you've got to have eggs in both baskets. So they're a big part of our system um, as far as a rotation goes. And, you know, that would be against what we've done, you know, for the last 50, 60 years out here. About 18 months ago, Aaron, you got 8.50 a kilo. Now you're looking at about 4.70. What do you think is a reasonable price? What do you think's fair? Joe, I think somewhere in between um, would be a sustainable sort of figure. Um, I think, you know, sort of everyone likes to get as much as they can for their produce, but we're realists and we understand that, you know, there's a breaking point for everything. So, I don't know, probably somewhere in that $6.50 would be a, a reasonable point to start at. And as long as everything is kept within the realms, and I mean at the end point and the, uh, the processing side all the way through, yeah, I think everyone would be happy. Nungarin farmer Aaron Smith speaking to Joe Prendergast. 14 past 12 here on the Country Hour. Just letting you know too that the online story on these meat prices has just been published. So you can go and check that out. Read along as you're listening along today. I know you can multitask. So check it out. Just search Meat Prices Supermarket ABC. Go and have a look at the online article. Listen along and text through if you have a chance and have your say. 0448 922 604. That's what Paul has done. And Paul says, I think processors have bled a bit of ink over the last few years and are taking the opportunity to claw some back. 0448 922 Quarter past 12. Well, Aaron's not the only one calling for more transparency in Australia's meat and livestock pricing systems. Michael Thompson owns Mundabull and Garner Station in the Pilbara. He thinks one way to provide more clarity in the supply chain would be to introduce a beef indicator. Well, I just think if farmers are going to tear up a lot of money, the public mass will know about it and then they can work out how much they're getting gouged at their local butcher or at a supermarket. Because at the moment, the price that farmers have been getting for their beef for the last 12 months is not reflected in the shops. So if we had a, you know, just like fuel watch on TV, if we had a beef watch, people then could look at it and go, well, the indicator says that beef should have come back 30%. Well, gee, we're still paying the same in the supermarket we did last year or a week ago. What's going on? And it's not... Farmer doesn't want to do it for these low prices, but in the end, if the farmer's getting less money and the public are benefiting out of it, the benefit to the farmer might be that consumption goes up for beef, people stop eating chicken and lamb and duck and all the other alternative meat proteins and, and get behind beef again, and all of a sudden we can start moving this backlog of cattle that are around at the moment. But at the moment, the public aren't sharing in the benefits of the farmers' losses. Would it bring a lot more transparency to that supply chain? I think it would. 
I think it would be good for the public to know what's going on and get an understanding of it. It'd have to be a simple breakdown. I think you just work off, you know, based on a, um, you know, a Muche report every week on what that type of animal is making per kilo, live weight, and then work it back off a, um, you know, break it down into four main, main cuts, which for simplicity, Phillips number one, porterhouse and rump, which is a middle-of-the-road steak, and then mince, because mince is, a, mince is used for one-third of an animal after it's been processed, becomes mince or trim, and that's used to make sausages or patties or those four are the indicators of what the wholesale price would be. And if people could see that on the news every night and then relate the, that to what they're getting charged in the supermarket. I think it would be a great indicator to keep them honest. I mean, at the moment, um, my son had to go and buy mince the other day. And mind you, he bought it from our local store, from a good quality butcher, and he paid twenty dollars a kilo. Now, three point eight kilo, eighty dollars, so a bit above twenty bucks. And I was quoted the wholesale price. The wholesale price on mince today should be around about seven dollars fifty. So you go, wow, this guy. He's making a 200% markup on mints, but that was the price last year, and people are still buying it. So you go, as a, as a producer, I'm frustrated because I want the public to benefit. I don't want to see these big supermarket chains um, having a win at our advantage, making huge profits. I want to see the public win, and let's get the consumption of, of beef up. Michael Thompson from Munda Station in the Pilbara. What do you think of that idea, a beef indicator showing the wholesale price of, well, a range of different cuts there that Michael was going through? And that would give you a bit of an idea, like a fuel watch, for example, of what you might like to buy from one week to the next. 19 past 12 on the text, Frank says, G'day team, as farmers we need to try and implement a base price for lamb and a base price for mutton and cattle. I honestly don't know how we could do it, but we need some action rather than just getting stitched up all the bloody time, says Frank. This from Curtis, who says, Amazing. This is not news for your broader audience. Run the story so our Metro friends can be educated. Given the weather outlook and the way the season is shaping up for a lot of your listeners, maybe you should be booking Owen Catto from Regional Men's Health for some interviews. Something positive, maybe. Well, Curtis, we do have some positive news here today because the state's biggest sheep and lamb cooperative, WAMCO, is going to return $8.3 million in rebates to its producer members this year, just short of the record $8.4 million in bonuses returned to members the previous year. Now, the bonus includes $0.60 per kilogram for all qualifying lamb, and 30 cents per kilo for all qualifying mutton for about 700 producers who delivered to Wamco's abattoir at Katanning, almost 300 kilometres southeast of Perth. Cole McCreary is the chief executive of the Wamco Group. Cole, if you look at one of Wamco's average producer members, what does this bonus mean in terms of the total amount of money that producer could expect to see land in their bank account as a result of this bonus? Uh, the, it depends on the size of the farm, obviously, but 
just to give you an idea of an average price, um, the average price for Wham at Whamco for 2022-23 was 6.91 a kilo on lamb. If you add the 60 cent rebate to that, it lifts them to 7.51 per kilo for the year, which is uh, very, very good money, really. Yeah, and I mean overall, what could it be? Could it be up to like a hundred thousand dollars, or you know, for for some producers, oh, could be uh, could be three, four, five hundred thousand to some, even more to others. Now, about eighteen months ago, producers were getting about you know eight dollars fifty a kilo for lamb. Then twelve months ago, it was six dollars uh, fifty a kilogram, and now we're hearing that it's about four dollars seventy-five a kilo. So, although this year's bonus seems sort of similar to last year's record bonus, it is coming off a low base, isn't it? And sheep producers are saying that they're barely breaking even. How do you expect yeah, well, this bonus to be received? I think it'll be received well because it's uh, if you look at last the last twelve months, seven dollars fifty one a kilo average is very very high money, and if you look at the um, the West Australian lamb flock and look at it, the processes returns, Whamco's return with that sixty cents is a is a significant advantage to a supplier, so. It's, it's, it's very good money in any terms. If we look across Australasia at the moment, the markets are, uh, are terrible. Um, I've never seen lamb markets like it from right through from skins to runners to offal to meat value. It's as poor as I've seen it in probably 25 years. So we've got a perfect storm where things are at, a, at an all-time low, and that's why you're seeing $4.70, $4.60 a kilo. It's just where the international market is. It's all on the back of high interest rates. Consumers not prepared to pay what they were paying for a product. China's the, probably the big key here with a lot of their, the mid-range cuts or the lower value cuts where they've traditionally put a, a, a good floor into the price. Uh, we've seen that drop right off in this current time and uh, until we see some more positive growth out of China, I think we're going to be sort of sitting around this level for a little while. You've listed, listed off a whole range of things there, but what would you pin it down to, the fact that these prices being paid to producers have fallen so dramatically? How do you make sense of that to producers? Uh, it's basically the, the world market is just not prepared to pay what they were paying and they're just not economically equipped to pay it now given that, you know, their mortgage rates have all gone up, their loans have gone through the roof, they've got less discretionary income. Lamb was at a very high price anyway, about six to 12 months ago. So the shelf price on a lamb was, as a protein was out on its own, really, if you looked at the international protein cabinet. And that really has, uh, has corrected, but corrected a lot more than we had hoped. It probably needed a correction. Consumers were starting to raise their eyebrows at the price of lamb internationally, but it's gone with the sort of issues that China have had. They haven't been able to prop up that middle ground, and uh, that's that's really uh, affected the um, overall lamb price because remembering that about 65% of the carcass is 
made up of bulk and uh, flaps and breasts and what have you. A lot of that is marketed to China and Malaysia in big, big volume. And when they get a cold, the whole market gets a cold. So you can see we can keep the prices of our high quality cuts like racks and loins and legs to North America and Canada and to the Middle, Middle East. We can keep those prices up fairly well. But if the balance of the carcass is being hammered by the uh, Chinese and Malaysian market, well, it's really going to pull the value back. With that price sort of sitting around that $4.70, $75, whatever, per kilo being paid to producers, there is a feeling among sheep producers that the processors are now playing a little bit of catch-up covering gaps when farmers were receiving those high prices, which they have been doing over the last sort of, you know, up to three years or so. Is that the case? Are you playing catch-up? No, no. We just, we just, we just reflect the market. We, we, and it's not in our interest to do that. We're a cooperative. Um, we work for the farmers. Like we've had probably 10 years now of fantastic uh, lifts and earnings, um, and we're going through a tough time. It's uh, it's just reflection of where the international market is. And so, does that flow on through the rest of the chain? Then, so if producers are being offered four dollars seventy a kilo, what are you selling it on for? Yeah, it's to- yeah, our margins are totally um, being pulled right back. So you know, we we're affected. Um, we've just done a Costco tender into the US, and that's we've come off forty percent. You know, so. It's just where if you want to move volume and, and producers need volume moved because if we can't move the volume, it's going to really hurt them on the farm. And if we're not prepared to, to meet the market with our end price, then they won't accept our product into the market. And that, you know, there's plenty of other meat uh, processes around the world that will fill that gap if we don't. If we don't, so we we've got to be very very careful how we manage that. Twenty seven past twelve. This is the country hour on the ABC WA. Cole McCrory, the chief executive of WA's big sheep and lamb processor Wamco, here today, talking about the prices being paid to producers for their livestock, and the market forces that are putting that downward pressure on those prices. As Nungarran mixed farmer Aaron Smith told you earlier, he's just received his latest price quotas for lambs from the processors and it's nearly halved in 18 months. Be part of the conversation on text 0448 Cole, do you think there needs to be more transparency in the meat supply chain from what the farmer gets to right at the other end what the shopper is paying? We have a quite a good clarity, our marketing division and our livestock producer um, manager goes, they go around and talk to farmer groups regularly and, and let them know how that how that's um, looking. We're a cooperative, so we're, we're here for the farmer. The farmer needs, our, needs us to be there to support them and they're owned by us. And so you can see with, with these rebates, they're getting the benefit of us doing the job well. A processor who wasn't a cooperative would pocket that 60 cents rebate. It's money that that 8.3 million is money we're giving back. Mm. So then some processors are playing catch up then. Is that the point you're making? Whereas a cooperative is operating under a set of different rules. I'm not going to obviously comment on what other processors do, but I'm I'm telling you what WAMCO does. 
Now, as the boss of WAMCO, uh, I imagine you head into the shop every now and again, Cole. Uh, what are your thoughts when you see meat in the supermarket? Say, I don't know, a roast leg of lamb, $20 a kilo, something like that, when you know what farmers are getting. We should see that coming back and we should see meat coming back in price now. Is that starting and, to happen? Uh, I, I believe it is and it has certainly happened on the East Coast, but we are definitely seeing that the, the price come back. Whether it's moved enough yet, I doubt it. There'll be some more movement yet, but as expensive product leaves the inventory system and this new, the new product, the cheaper product comes online, we should definitely see some improvement in prices. What about looking forward in terms of returns for producers over the next 12 months or so? If we're sitting at around about, you know, $4.70 per kilo for producers today, where might that go in the next 12 months? Uh, I think we'll see that sit similar around the 460, between 450 and 470 for a period. And then I think we'll see uh, as stock, if stock starts to become a little bit tighter in the market, we see some little bit of a lift in China. We might see that improve uh, sometime into the new year. But I don't believe much will happen differently this spring. I think we pretty much know where that price is going to, we know where the market is. We know that price is pretty much going to remain through to Christmas and then after Christmas and we get into the Chinese New Year, that might be the impetus we need to see some change. Now, you would know there are conversations right across the state about people, farmers contemplating their future in the sheep industry and that's based on the possibility of the end of the live sheep trade, um, poor prices at sale yards and, and the lower returns they're getting from some of the processes too. Are you concerned about longer term supply? Oh, I'm definitely concerned and we've invested millions in the market to be able to look after a lot of WA lamb. We still see a very, very strong future in lamb and we're actually going to put our money where our mouth is and invest millions of dollars in upgrading the plant over the next couple of years. And we want to be able to look after producers, give them access to top grade markets what I do know about this industry is that it cycles and every 10 or 7 to 10 years you do see a, an up and down process normally. You can come out of a 5, 6, 7 good years and then you do have a downturn. It just seems to be a natural thing and I, I believe we'll see in the next 2, 3 years very strong pricing again. But I, I, I believe we, we've got to um, look after farmers in the West. If live shipping is does end up falling over, we've got to be there to be able to support those farmers who want to continue on and uh, work with uh, processes. And we'll, we'll have the ability to process, uh, you know, we're saying we want to do another 2,500 stock a day. That'll go a long way to helping. Really good to talk to you, Cole. Thank you so much. No worries. Cole McCrory, he's the Chief Executive of WA's Big Sheep and Lamb Proser, the co-op Wamco. 28 to 1 here on the Country Hour and on the text, this just through asking, can you even get lambs into Wamco at the moment, even with the terrible prices? 
And, um, well, you probably know more than me, but I think the backlog takes it through until sort of the end of September. But you let me know on text 0448922604. Also on the text, uh, cockies, you're killing me. It's a problem for milk producers when the supermarket's price is too low. Poor avocado growers when there is an oversupply and the price crashes. Now lamb is too expensive. Let the cobblers cobble. Retailers retail. Primary producers produce. Everyone's welcome to try processing and retail. Thousands of tonnes of lamb frozen in containers. Hence the new season prices. Economics 101. Oversupply in Western Australia. The text is 0448922604. As Cole McCrory was saying, he's noticed um, a shift in the prices in some of the supermarkets. He was saying particularly on the East Coast. And this just through from Cole's supermarket saying that it's announced it's bringing down the price of more than 500 products for at least three months. It says the price of Australia's most popular dinner ingredient, mints, has gone down, including on more than 25 different varieties of beef, pork and lamb mints. It says the popular value pack, one kilo beef, three-star regular mints, which was $13 a kilo at the start of the year, is being reduced down to 11 from 12 and it's dropped the price of Coles whole lamb leg roast from $12 to $10 a kilo, which Coles says is a saving of 16%. We'll pick up on this conversation shortly with the head of the Australian Meat Industry Council, which represents the retailers and the small good operators and the butchers too and the processors, catching up with Patrick Hutchinson shortly. It is 26 to 1. Jonathan Hopper is here with the news headlines. Good afternoon, Belinda. Qantas has responded to allegations that it engaged in false, misleading or deceptive conduct, saying it takes the claim seriously and will respond fully in court. The consumer regulator had launched federal court action against Qantas, alleging it advertised thousands of flights it had already cancelled between May and July last year. The White House says it has new intelligence that shows Russian President Vladimir Putin and North Korean leader Kim Jong-un have been communicating about weapons supply. Earlier this month, officials in Washington accused Russia's defence minister of calling on Pyongyang to increase the sale of munitions to Moscow for its war in Ukraine. And WA police are seeking information about a fatal crash in West 2J in the early hours of this morning. Shortly around 4am, a trade-top truck heading south on River Road hit a tree. The 36-year-old driver died at the scene. Major crash investigators are conducting an examination of the scene and they're appealing for any witnesses to call Crime Stoppers. Thanks, Belinda. Thank you, Jonathan. 25 to 1. You're with Belinda Varischetti on the Country Hour on ABC Local Radio, WA. And it's off to the Bureau of Meteorology. Joey Rawson, take us for a little bit of a look around very sunny southwest Land Division this afternoon. Yes. Uh, hi, Belinda. It's very sunny across the whole state. I think the only bit of cloud that we have um, right now is a little bit of cloud over the Euclid coast. But um, let's focus in on the southwest land division. Um, the first thing to note is it's quite warm and you may even say it's uh, hot. Um, Geraldton has just exceeded um, the August or winter record for the, the hottest temperature ever of 32.4 degrees. So um, we've certainly got some hot temperatures out there and 
and they will um, you know spread through the rest of today and potentially into tomorrow so you know first point to note is uh, yeah quite warm conditions out there at the moment uh, then the second thing to note is we've got a series of fronts that are approaching the southwest land division so the first front is um, going to come through tomorrow it's an overly strong front and, and a lot of that rain is going to be confined you know to the lower west and southwest and as it tracks into those important farming areas uh, we're not expecting that much to penetrate too far um, the great southern uh, the southwestern parts of that may get around two to five millimeters but then as it pushes further to the east um, it's more around the one to two millimeters and places um, basically northeast of you know somewhere around southern cross to morrow won't won't really see receive much rain from this front tomorrow um, then we get another front uh, that's going to go through Saturday night into Sunday. Uh, that front's got a little bit more punch to it. Um, so yeah, uh, that's going to you know, push a little bit more rain into uh, the ag areas. Um, but it still does uh, limit or get limited by the west coast. So uh, lower west and, and southwest are certainly going to get the most rain out of that. Um, so potentially around 10 to 20 millimetres through you know the far southwest and, and low west through the hills but as we move into the great southern uh, the southwestern parts may get around five to ten and um, but then as you push further to the east it, it's going to drop out quite a fair bit but um, most farming areas will receive something but um, as you get into the eastern parts of the central wheat belt and into the midwest it's more around the one to two millimeters so um, but that that will be the strongest front um, and then as we move on to Sunday we get this cold air moves over the southwest of the state um, there'll still be showers through most of um, the southwest land division but as you uh, yeah, push into those sort of eastern, northeastern parts of the southwest land division, we're not looking at getting that much. Um, again, through the far southwest, um, the rainfall amounts will be quite good. We've got the possibility of getting some hail through the, the southwest, lower west and south coast dis coastal districts. And uh, then we move on to Monday and we have a another front, but that, that's a weaker front. So the, the best front is certainly... Saturday night and um, if we look at uh, the three-day rainfall bell um, the, we're looking at a potential of two to five millimetres through the great southern and southwest parts of the central wheat belt but as you push uh, past southern cross uh, to Morrowa it's only around one to two millimetres that's a bit of a snapshot of of what we've got so um, there is something coming um, if you're far southwestern parts of that um, the farming communities, you, you will get something, but it's going to drop off a fair bit, Bell, as you move east. That's what I'm, I'm trying to get to. Yeah, sounds like it. Let's have a look at northern and eastern parts then, Joey. Yeah, so it's just warm and settled conditions, so nothing to really report on for the north and east. And as far as warnings go, we've just got a strong wind warning forecast for um, the Eucla and Esperance coast tomorrow. Thank you for going through it, Joe. Appreciate that. 20 to 1 and no rainfall anywhere across Western Australia.
in the last 24 hours to 9 o'clock this morning, 20 to 1. On the Country Hour today, a special feature on meat prices and the big gap between what producers are being paid for their livestock compared to what shoppers are paying for meat at the shops. Now, earlier in the hour, you heard from a couple of WA producers and the state's big sheep and lamb processing cooperative, WAMCO. One of the other big players in the industry is AMIC, the Australian Meat Industry Council, which represents retailers, processors and small goods manufacturers across the country. Patrick Hutchinson is the CEO of AMIC and says the reduced prices farmers are now getting for their sheep is simply a market cycle. He says farmers have had their time in the sun and now it's the processor's turn. Firstly, we've seen obviously record prices not just over the last 18 months, but over the last three years. And that's been across Australia, obviously due to climatic conditions, certainly in the eastern states. Now, that's also been uh, occurred because we've had a supply change. So we've had a flock rebuild over the past uh, certainly four years, but certainly really ramped up in 21 and 22. That meant supply was very limited. And just like anything, any commodity out there in the world, Supply is limited and more people are going to be trying to compete as hard as they can and price will inflate. Now, uh, welcome to the middle of uh, 2023. Uh, The flock has increased greatly. A lot of lambs all of a sudden on the market, just like any other commodity in the world, uh, that price will drop. I think the price as well at $4.70 probably should also be looked at on a 10-year average. And I think on a 10-year average, it potentially is still about 25% above where it was on that 10-year average, uh, based on the type of lamb that's that's obviously being presented. So fantastic prices for farmers a long time ago. Coming back to reality now, uh, a lot of processes, just like any other business in the world, having lost money over the last three years, uh, certainly recouping money. So the industry is really playing catch-up? trying to cover gaps where processors were paying some of those high prices to farmers? Is, is that the case? Yeah, look, it's, it's, it's called market volatility. And um, unfortunately, uh, there's a situation where our industry rides, like a lot of industries around the world, rides huge volatility. Uh, a lot of those things can and are outside of our control, sort of on an international basis. Uh, what we're seeing at the moment too is, Whilst we do have strong demand, we still have an exchange rate that's a lot lower. So our product overseas is still is obviously still cheap. Um, so we can, as you know, as well with with higher volumes, start to push product into the market. And again, that export price and that export level is also of assistance on that domestic price. But I do know through the supply chain, I know at wholesale there's a drop has been starting, uh, prices starting to drop because there's, uh, it has been that rebalancing. And also bonded product, probably frozen, has uh, also moved through the market that was probably bought for a hell of a lot more uh, in value six months previous. But when does that catch up, that part of the sector, that part of the supply chain, turn to price gouging? Is that, is that what's going on? Oh, absolutely not. Because, I mean, I think the, the terminology about price gouging is far more attuned to ready-made products from an exceptionally low base in cost. And I think one of the problems that we face as well is accusations around price gouging are always brought to the people who pay for something, not the people that sell something. 
So by that rationale, you know, you could easily have said that 18 months to two years ago, the average cocky was out there price gouging at $9 a kilo on, uh, on lamb. We don't say that because we know that there is market volatility in place. And when the opportunity arises, farmers take the best of that situation, earn very good money when it's there, for want of a better term, time in the sun. And when it's a processor's time in the sun, they do exactly the same. Unfortunately, this time, uh, we've also seen probably around about a 12% increase in wages over that period of time. Uh, we've seen about a 15% increase in energy and logistics post-COVID are still trying to stabilise themselves. I mean, at some uh, during COVID, we were, when lamb was except, exceptionally expensive to go overseas, we were paying something like uh, $10,000 a container. Now, we heard sheep producer Aaron Smith saying that, you know, when he was getting the $8.50 a kilo, that was too high. And he, you know, understands that that needed some <laughs> correction because it was, well, in short, making lamb unaffordable for shoppers. But now at $4.70 a kilo, he's saying that that return doesn't cover input costs, like, you know, the sort of things you're talking about, the energy bills, the, the shearing, the nutrition, the genetics, the, the feed, the vet bills, the, the list goes on. How does that become sustainable for the meat industry for, for from, from the producer's side? Well, I think that this is about a, a supply chain issue. How do we uh, undertake and manage sustainability uh, on raw material price and flatten out that volatility? Because uh, obviously we were not having this discussion 18 months ago. No one wanted to uh, have a discussion about a processor losing $40 a body. But the expectation is you still uh, process whilst still trying to find labour, still trying to pay energy costs, still trying to ensure that you've got the logistics moving during and then post-COVID. So I think everyone can have their conversation of how hard it's been uh, in a volatile market. I think that what we do need to do is really sit down across the board at the supply chain level and have the discussion. I mean, people enjoy market volatility when it works for them, but they don't obviously enjoy market volatility when it works against them. So we either start looking at the impacts of market volatility, hear from, hear from all sides. There's lots that we should be talking about. There's lots of understanding that needs to occur. And the Australian Meat Industry Council is always up for the discussion with strong peer-reviewed evidence about where the issues in volatility lie within the whole supply chain and what can we do about it. One suggestion from a WA pastoralist is for a beef indicator, a little bit like fuel watch, a beef watch, uh, so to speak, which would give shoppers a weekly price on the wholesale price of certain cuts of beef. Are you a fan of something like that? No. Look, Why I not? mean, that's just basically trying to figure out where can I get something for the cheapest. You know, we produce a high-valued product. So we do know that 70% um, of people who have said that they are no longer eating meat or uh, red meat or going to be eating less red meat put that down to price. Doesn't it give so, some transparency, though, in the system? Well, I mean, transparency's got to work both ways as well. Price is set by the market within processing, but it is overlaid by a range of different impacts, as I've, I've, already, as I've already pointed out previously. I think probably more importantly, what we don't want to do is have a race to the bottom because people are saying, well, you need to earn less in your part of the supply chain in order for me to earn more. 
that just is the same as the market volatility that we're receiving now. We've got to be very careful about what we wish for because increasing consumption on a reduced cost product doesn't necessarily mean that that's more money going back into people's at the start and farmers' margins or in fact into processing margins or wholesale margins. And I think we should also note that from a supermarket perspective, you know, they don't sit there and reduce their price while everybody else within the supply chain then earns more. They set a price and you then have to meet it. So they know their gross margins, they know what they've got to work out and they reduce that price. So then therefore you have to reduce your price. And then that flows down the supply chain as well. So you can't have $6 lamb and then have a processor earning $5 a kilo for it and then so they can retail for $10. That's not going to work. Patrick Hutchinson is the Chief Executive Officer of the Australian Meat Industry Council. 11 to 1. Uh, Joe Prendergast has put the online story together for your reading pleasure. So go and check it out right now. Search Meat Prices Supermarket ABC to check out the online story on those meat prices. What's going on? The price difference between what producers are getting and what you're paying at the retail level. On the text, Peter in Albany says, we'd like shops selling meat to have a tag saying farm gate price so consumers can work out the margins and if there's real price gouging by the retailers, farmers need moral support and understanding among consumers. Jim says, I totally like the fuel watch meat watch idea. Call out corporates taking from farmers and the general public to make rich people richer. Everyone I know has had it up to the eyeballs with these society wrecking corporates. And Anthony from Mockup says, how about goat producers? The abattoirs are only paying $2.20 a kilo for goats. That's down from $9 a couple of years ago. 0448 922 604 you're part of the Country Hour with Belinda Varischetti on ABC Local Radio WA. And you'll head to Mount Barker for the results of the cattle market shortly, just before the news at one o'clock. And if you're a grain grower, I know you're not too happy with these warm, dry conditions at the moment, but they certainly have helped organisers of the 59th Darren Machinery Field Day event, which kicked off yesterday and continues today. Each year it brings in farmers from all over the place, including Bradley Milstead, who farms at Watharoo in the northern part of the Mora Shire. He says compared to other farms to the north and east, they've been relatively lucky with the rain this season. We've been fortunate with what we've had up till now, um, uh, arguably looking deceptively good been very fortunate that the rain that we have had is long way below a 10-year average but it has all been useful growing season rainfall with very little over summer so the crops have done well for themselves. Um, Sheep feed's been hard to come by. We've made a lot of management decisions with that to try and maximise some of that. So yeah my, my call for about a month or six weeks is the season looks deceptively good but the last couple of weeks has certainly uh when, when we've only been getting enough rainfall for a week-to-week scenario and getting it every week, we've gone two weeks without that. And it's um, yeah, it's starting to thin out now, but we're still very grateful for what we do have. Fortunate that it is still there, and oh, I'm trying to keep hold of the, uh, the fact that history will tell us that the season has never, ever 
shut off at this time of the year before. So we're just trying to be mindful of the fact that it probably will rain again. Um, there's just going to be a lot of damage done between now and then and it's heartbreaking to think of uh, after a couple of really solid years for WA grain production or farming in general that, um, yeah, to be whacked with this in, in the northern ag region really is really, really bitter pill to swallow and, yeah, I just hope that people are taking that time to try and keep it all in perspective still and keep positive. So you could have done with a good rain or a month ago now. If it rains within the next month, will it come good? Yeah, and I can't remember the actual year, but it would, would have been sometime in the 210s that uh, a similar scenario, a big, long, dry spell. Uh, a lot of tillers were lost, but then it got wet, and I think it was actually a Darren Field Day event, which um, which would have been last week, traditionally. We had a really big... Uh, cut off low, I think it was, came through and the season turned around, grew all the canopy back and I'd never ever seen that before in, in Samplain particularly and um, ended up being uh, quite a good year. I mean, it, the reality is there's not a big heap of biomass there to try and keep alive at the end of the year so any excess moisture will go to grain fill very, very quickly but you've still got to have had the crop there and that's where I can say that I'm very grateful and fortunate to have the, to have had the rain that we had at the start to get a crop up and out of the ground. And yeah, it breaks my heart to think of the guys that, that are listening to this that don't. Yeah, I, I, it's a horrible game at times. Or you play silly games, you win silly prizes. What have you seen driving around, and what's the situation with your neighbours? Yeah, it's a really mixed bag, and that's a general comment. Anybody that I've caught up with today at Dower and everyone's saying the same, it's a real mixed bag. There's obviously some some good patches where little fingers of thunderstorms have gone through. Uh, we had a very dry summer, so really none of that at home. As I said earlier, it's it's all been growing season pretty much, so it just depends where your rain gauge is. You've either, either recorded it or you haven't, and there will be pockets that would have still got wet that you're not, not aware of with the, with the rain gauge. But, yeah, it's a real mixed bag. I have been talking to people today and um, the consensus is it doesn't feel like the end of August, it feels like the end of September, it smells like the end of September. When are you expecting you'll be able to harvest? Well, it's got to rain again yet, I think, so um, no, look, like I said, we're fortunate, we've got some heads on weight and that sort of thing. Lupins might be a bit tricky. Um, I know a lot of them have gone from being white at the start of the week to being all green now, so the sheep will enjoy them. <laughs> um, but, yeah, no, look, I don't know. You, you would imagine that it will be an early harvest now. If this fabled rain that I've tried to prophesise comes through, then we might have the unfortunate thing of trying to deal with little green sappy heads towards the end of the year as well. But, I mean, that's all out of our control. We've just got to... Roll with what we've got, wake up each day and uh, work out what we can do to try and maximise what we're doing or minimise the loss. And um, we, as Broadacre Ag in WA, we are amazing people at making the best of it, really. We really are. And we just got all got to remember it's nothing that we've done personally. It's none of our management. Generally, the vast majority of us are very good managers of the land and, and the businesses that we run. So we've just got to make the most of it and um, try and keep it in perspective and... but. The big thing is, yeah, putting the, the six Bs or mental health hat on is, you know, keep connected, keep laughing. Uh, it's a laugh's always good with, for you. Keep connected with your mates and uh, keep a lookout for everybody. And, yeah, we can't afford to leave anybody behind. And days like today, the field days and a chance to, to see some mates and um, compare notes is part of that. Absolutely. And let's face it, 
if you're an eagle or a dock, you're on the end of season trip already anyway. So, I mean, it's uh, there's no footy to talk about. So, uh, yeah, no, it is. And that's been the great part. It, you know, great crowd here today at Darren. And, um, yeah, they've done a great job of putting it on. The weather, if you weren't trying to get things to grow, is quite spectacular. So, um, yeah, just, uh, yeah, get there and enjoy that opportunity to be able to get out there and um, have a bit of a look and, yeah. I know I've travelled down with mates and really enjoyed my day and I've got the drive home to go yet, which is probably going to be the fun part of the real day. So, yeah, no, just, yeah, keeping it real. Thank you so much, Brad. No worries at all. Thank you very much. Good luck, everyone. Bradley Millstead Farms at Watharoo, which is about halfway between Perth and Geraldton. He was catching up with Lucinda Jose at the Darren Machinery Field Day event, which is on today. Three minutes to one. Hello, I'm Sally Sara. Join me for The World Today. The consumer watchdog takes legal action against Qantas for allegedly selling tickets for flights which had already been cancelled. Blackout, warnings of power outages this summer as the energy market tries to keep up with demand. And the federal government walks away from plans to introduce a porn passport intended to protect young people online. Those stories and more from right across the country and around the globe coming up on The World Today. Off to Mount Barker now for the results of the cattle sale today. Tracy Kilner's been at the sale all morning. Hello, Tracy. Was it a big yarding? 308 um, presented today. That's up 52 from last week. Young cattle trended down with demand, with the lightweight weaner steers selling to 392 cents a kilo. Heavy cows were up 20 cents, with processors paying up to 226 cents a kilo. Wiener steers sold for 300 to 392 cents, while the Wiener heifers made from 242 to 304 cents a kilo. Heavier weight yielding steers made 220 to 320 cents, quality dependent, and the lighter weight sold from 280 to 330 cents a kilo. Yielding heifers fluctuated with quality, selling from 220 to 268 cents a kilo. The grown steers were firm with weights 500 to 600 kilos, returning 248 to 270 cents, and the grown heifers averaged 225 cents a kilo. Heavy cows made 160 to 226 cents, heavy bulls sold from 150 to 202 cents, and the lighter weight bullies sold to live export for 170 to 262 cents a kilo. A lineup of cow and calf units fluctuated with quality, with a pen of Charolais 5th to 7th carvers making $2,000 while the balance sold from $1,250 to $1,800 per unit. This has been Tracy Kilner for Meat and Livestock Australia's National Livestock Reporting Service. Tracy, thank you for going through those details. Uh, much of the hour today just spent talking about meat prices and the big gap between what producers are currently being paid for their livestock compared to what you are paying at the shops for your meat. Many, many texts coming through. We won't get to all of them, but I'll just run through a couple before the news at one. Mick says, I worked in the Catanning sale yards in the 90s. Ewes topped at 20 cents a head. Weathers, 50 cents. Merino lambs, unsaleable. Just saying, says Mick. This too, regarding the price of meat at the supermarkets, my local butcher is a lot more expensive than the big two, with prices still the same as when we had record beef prices 18 months ago, $55 a kilo for Scotch fillet and $49.50 for porterhouse. Is this due to processors charging more or retailers keeping prices high? With returns for animals at the yards, it's hard to understand. It sure is sometimes. And this too from Chris in Albany. I just like buying from the supermarket giants. I'd rather buy lamb straight from the farmer. And you can do that on Facebook marketplaces. Good to talk to you today. 
one o'clock. You've been listening to an ABC podcast. Discover more great ABC podcasts, live radio and exclusives on the ABC Listen app.